Hey, let me jump into this. I got to talk really fast today. And you're somebody going, well, what else is new? Shut up. All right. So um, uh, I mean, it's, I, I have a lot to get through to get to where we need to land. And so we can all sing that song together. But let me just kind of catch you up if you weren't here last week. Is that last week we began what, I, I don't, we, a journey. All right. And that journey is going to last for like the next six months. And I say six months because six months from now is Easter. But, but honestly, it may go a lot longer than that. This series may go a lot longer than that. It's funny how fast or slow or distracted I tend to get. All right. So what we're going to do over the next six months, maybe a year, is we're going to study through the chronological timeline of the life of Jesus, all right? We're going we're to look at questions like this. Who was Jesus? Where did he come from? What did he say? Who did he claim to be? What kind of stuff did he do? And then why should we, or maybe a better question would be, should we listen to him? Why should we or should we pay attention to him? What, what makes Jesus different than anybody else or, or more credible than all the other leaders that were showing up at the same time saying, follow me? All the prophets and spiritual leaders who came along back then, and let's be honest, show up all the time around here. I mean, you can't turn on the TV or walk down Pearl Street without somebody going, I've got a better way, and I have a, have a corner on truth, so see, please follow me, and I'll show you how to be spiritual. So why, why should we listen to Jesus? What puts him in a different category than any and everything else? Why? And there are several reasons why we're going to run after this like, big Jesus series. First is that you know, we, we try to teach about Jesus and teach what Jesus said all the time around here. What he said was a, a better way. So every time you come in here, one of us is going to quote Jesus, all right? But usually what we do is we, we jump all over the place, right? We'll tell a story about Jesus, and then we'll tell another story about Jesus. And then one time he said this, and then years later he said this, and all that kind of stuff. And that's, it's all true, and it's all helpful, and, and it's, it, it's a good thing. But uh, what we're going to do in this series, though, is that we're going to go back to where Jesus first showed up on the scene. Actually, starting last week, we, we went back even before he showed up and, and followed the sequence of events and teachings that played out in Jesus' life during those three years he walked around and traveled around Israel telling people about God, saying the things he said and doing the things he did. And, 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 our, and our, our goal is hopefully to get a better picture of whole Jesus, re, real Jesus, not just the bits and pieces like a lot of us tend to do. And that doesn't mean if you come every week for the next six weeks to a year, we're going to cover everything there is to know about Jesus. That's impossible. As a matter of fact, uh, we're going to be in, uh, back in one of the biographies of Jesus called the Gospel of John. Uh, it's written by a guy named John. And he, he writes like 21 chapters about all the stuff that when he was hanging out with Jesus. But then he closes up what he wrote about Jesus with this. Look at this. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. So I, I mean, I covered like 21 chapters worth of what he did. But he did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That's a lot of stuff. Jesus did a lot of stuff. So even though we can't hit on everything there is to know about Jesus, our goal over these next few weeks and months is simply to try to get to know him better than we currently do. All right? Get to know him better than, than, we, than we currently do. All right? Which leads me to the second reason, which is this. If, if many of us, and I would even say most of us, if we were really honest, we would have to admit that although a lot of us have, we've, we've heard some stuff about Jesus or we know some stuff about Jesus and some of you kind of, you know, spiritualize it and say we believe some really important true spiritual stuff about Jesus. If we were honest, if somebody really pushed on us, do you really know him intimately? Do you know him really, really well and close? Most of us would say, mm, no, not so much. At least not as, not as well as I wish I, I knew him. Right? As a matter of fact, I would say in a room like this, there's a lot of us trying to figure out what we believe about Jesus or, or if we'll ever believe about Jesus because then we'll decide if we're going to trust him or not. And that makes sense. 
But it also makes sense, right, that to spend some time getting to know the person that honestly in these next few weeks and months, you might walk away. You may reject them and go, if that's Jesus, I, I'm out of here. But what I found is that a lot of people reject the idea of Jesus without ever taking time to actually get to know who he is, what he said, and what he's, what he's about. And, and most of us are smart people, logical people, and it doesn't make sense. I'm going to reject someone I've never even given the time of day. That doesn't make sense. Which leads me to the third reason why we're biting off this like big supersized Jesus series, which, which is this. Throughout, throughout the Bible, you find all these people, person after person and writer after writer, giving us clues on how to find and experience better life, abundant life, uh, the life we were meant to live, purpose for our life. And they're all saying there's a way to have a better life in this life and after you die. But Jesus himself said this. He said, if you, if you want to experience a, a life that won't rip you off, and you know what I'm talking about, Right? Meaning, some of us go, they promised me this and I ran after that and it was a ripoff. That's not the life I ended up with. If you you want to experience a life that it's not about, you know, having and killing and destroying all the important parts of your life. If if you, what he says is if you want to walk the path or or go the way that leads to a better, more abundant life, what Jesus has said is just follow me. I'm going there. Follow me and I'll lead you to a better life. The life that you were meant to have, you've always wanted to have, and that when I created you, I had in mind for you. So Jesus said, just follow me. And Paul said it this way, if, if you need encouragement in your life, and I would say that would be everyone, nobody, none of us need more discouragement. Anybody? No, I've got enough of that, all right? I need some encouragement in my life. He says, if you want to be connected to God and receive comfort from God in really hard times, if you want to be able to talk to God and know that he's listening to you, if you want to hear from God, if you want to be a tender, compassionate person, not a selfish, vain, conceited, arrogant jerk, the world has enough of those, all right? Paul says, here's what you have to do, all right? You have to have the attitude of, of Christ Jesus. You have to, have, you have to see, the, see things through the perspective of Jesus. Think like Jesus thinks. In another place, we, we find that the key to having or experiencing hope in your life, and again, I think 100% of us would say, I, I need some hope in my life, uh, of living a, a life that's empowered by God, of, of living in fellowship with God, of, of having the dead parts of our life, you know what I mean? Uh, either somebody else killed a part of our life or we killed a part of our life. If there's any hope of that ever being like brought back to life and resurrected, the, the Bible says this, it really comes down to one key thing, that's accessible, it's made possible through this, I just want to know Jesus. Maybe if I know Jesus, that other stuff will happen. Another place in the Bible we looked at last week is the, the book of Hebrews, right, where we find that our only hope of not getting crushed in this world, of not growing weary and lo- losing heart and putting up a white flag and say, I can't do this, I'm out of here. Our only way we're ever going to have hope is not, I'll have hope if my life gets easier, if my problems go away. If you're waiting to have hope, if, if, if all your problems go away, you have a long wait it's probably going to start right after your funeral, right? I mean, it's just, it, you're always going to have some hardship in this life. What we've, what we've learned in God's word is this, is that, listen, I can, I can have hope in my problems. I can, I can find hope and strength in spite of the hard times in my life. And ha- here's what the Bible says. By, by, by setting my sights and not taking my eyes off, actually it says we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's how we'll have hope and not get crushed by this world. And where we landed last week and kind of the catalyst behind this, this whole Jesus series comes down to some questions that all those great statements about here's how you can have a better life kind of raise, at least for me. And the questions go like this. How can you have hope that comes from knowing Christ if you really don't know Christ? You can't. You'd be like saying, how can you love her when you don't even know her? You can't love anybody that you don't really know. You can think about it and Hope that you can, but you, you don't love somebody you don't really know. Or, or how about this? How can you fix your eyes on somebody you've never seen? Other people told you about him. You've never seen him. You've never experienced him for yourself. You can. 
And how can you have the attitude of the mindset of Christ if you have no idea what Jesus thinks about? What he thinks about that or how he sees this or the mindset of Christ. How, How can you? And the answer is you can't. And how and why would you ever follow Jesus or anybody else if you don't know where they want to take you? And what their agenda is for your life. I learned this in kindergarten. You should never follow a stranger. Right? And that includes Jesus. Why would you follow somebody? I I don't don't know anything about him. So we're going to carve out the next several months to simply get to know Jesus better than a lot of us are willing to admit that we do. For one purpose. I want to know him more. I want to get to know him more. Because maybe if we can get to know Jesus more, then we can decide if we can trust him more than we do. And if we can trust him more than we currently do, then maybe we'll get up out of rooms like this and go follow him closer than we actually have been following him in the past. And maybe if we follow him a little bit more closely, then we'll begin to experience some things in our life that he has always wanted for us, things that I have always wanted for myself in my life, but, but, but we, not Jesus, we gave up on that being a reality a long time ago. Anybody, anybody have some of those? Right? Jesus didn't give up on us. We gave up on ourselves. I had hopes, I had dreams, I thought I could be this man, you thought you could be this woman, I thought I could have this kind of marriage, this kind of family, this kind of whatever, and then we gave up on it. Jesus didn't, we did. Why? Why? Well, my life is I look back at my past mistakes, and there's a lot of them. I look at the current mess that I'm living in, and then I look into the future, and you know what I see? More of the same. And it's really, really easy just to, just to give up, Right? So whether this is your first time being in church like ever or in a really, really long time or you're just start, I'm just trying to figure out this whole God, Jesus, faith, what do I believe part of my life or, you know, or, or whether you've been believing for a long, long time, over the next several months, we're going to try to get to know Jesus better. The only application is if you'll come back or not. We're going to listen to what he said and taught was true and a better way to live. Then we're going to watch what he did and how he did what he did to back up what he said was true. And then somewhere in the next few weeks and months, you're going to have to make a decision, I hope. You're going to make a decision about what you believe about Jesus, good or bad. And again, it could go either way. I'll be really honest. But again, to be smart, to be logical, it just makes sense. You should get to know him no matter what you decide about him, right? And that's what this is going to be about. We're going to try to get to know Jesus better than we currently do. So last week we started this journey, all right? We started with questions like, who is Jesus and where did he come from and what was he doing? And and we find those questions all all through the the Bible, especially the, the the New Testament, all right? Um, but we focused on one biography, one gospel in the Bible called the book of John, written by John. We're going to be there again. If there's free Bibles in the back. Go grab one. and It's in your program too, but we're going we're gonna to be in the Bible forever, so you might as well grab one for yourself, all right? But uh, if you weren't here last week, just read it you know, later or go back online and watch it. But, but, but here's what we covered last week. We started with this, is that all words and metaphors fall apart at some point. Right? I mean, a metaphor is like, it's kind of like that, it's kind of like that, it kind of compares to this. And you can play that out, and then you just run out of words, or the metaphor kind of falls apart. And so that, that, that will happen like that. But last week we looked at this, is that, is that if you could picture this light fixture right here, is, he's kind of like God, okay? And again, it falls apart. But, but let that light fixture there kind of represent God. What do you mean? God the Father, who he is and what he's like, his attributes, his nature, his qualities, his identity, all right? His power, his glory, then according to the Bible, what we looked at last week is that whatever God projects, whatever it is that comes out of God the Father, whatever it is that shines out of God is Jesus. That's what we talked about last week, right? Whatever was, was created was created through Jesus. And no one's ever seen God the Father, but what the Bible says is if you can look in Jesus and see Jesus, then you can know God because of Jesus. What do you mean? Look, look at this verse we looked at last week. 
It says this, the sun, Jesus, not the sun in the sky. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. So God's glory shines and the result is Jesus. And, they, and the sun is the exact representation of his being, of God's being. So where we landed last week was this, all right, the takeaway was this, Jesus is God. Jesus is, is fully God. And I was really surprised at the lack of feedback I got on that. All right, and here's what I mean. I only got two phone calls and a nasty email. <laughs> All from the same guy. He was a visitor. He was here for the first time. He hated it. I'm just telling you. <clears throat> he called me up and, and, and Mary, my, my assistant, took the call and he started yelling at her going, you can't, tell him he can't say that. You cannot say Jesus is God. And Mary's like, but it's in the Bible. I don't care. It's impossible. Jesus cannot be God. And he gets really, 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 really upset about it. And I understand. I, I kind of. I do, I, I get it. What we're going to see later in the series in a few weeks, someone actually walked up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, show us God. Show us the Father. And do you remember what he said to him? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It didn't go well. He walked outside, they arrested him, and then nailed him to a cross. So I'm telling you, saying Jesus is God back then and, and here in Colorado, it can get you in trouble. And it can get people yelling at you or, or worse. And, and here's the other part of that is getting to a place in your life where you believe that Jesus really is God, it's tough. I can't talk you into it. That's between you and God. He has to teach that to you. Thus this series. And I'm not sure if that guy came back today. If, if he did, he's going to hate today. All right? Because we're more the same. Here we go. All right? So we're going to be in, the, in, the, in John chapter 1. Again, Bible's in the back, programs, and it's here on the screen. All right? Here we go. John chapter 1, verse 4. It says this. In him, and him is Jesus, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. In another place, it's, it, we find out that light is true. So it really translates this way. In Jesus was life, and that life was the true light of men. And again, all the metaphors and comparisons that you find in the Bible about Jesus, probably the most common one, and I would, in my opinion, one of the most accurate descriptions of Jesus would be Jesus is light. It's a metaphor. He's, he's light. Jesus is light. And, and that's what John just said. And the reason John just said it is because he heard Jesus say it over and over and over as he walked around Israel with him for, for three years. Like this. Look at John chapter 8. We'll look at this in a, in a few weeks. When Jesus spoke again to the people, so he's standing up to teach, he said, I am the what? I'm the light. I'm the light. I'm the light of the world. Whoever, anybody, anybody who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if you put that together with last week and what we're talking about today, what John is saying is this. Listen, remember, I, I didn't read a book about Jesus, and that's how I know Jesus. I didn't go to Sunday school, and someone told me about Jesus. No, I was there. I saw him with my own eyes. I went camping with him. We, we cooked meals at a campfire. We went fishing together. All right, I've seen Jesus. I've been with Jesus. I've experienced Jesus, and being with him, right, and being with him, and now living in him and having him live in me, it's like, and the best metaphor John can come up with would be this, it's like he turned the lights on in my heart, right, I was like, I was like trying to figure out life, but it was really dark, and, and then I met Jesus, and he's in me, and I'm in him, and it's like somebody turned on a, a light or, or lit a lamp or whatever in my heart, and when that happened, I discovered what my life could be about, what real true life was all about, Jesus turned the lights on for me. But in the next verse, John explains a tension that existed, you know, 2,000 years ago when Jesus was walking around Israel, but it still exists in this room today. Look, look at verse 5. It says this, the light, talking about Jesus, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, it being Jesus. So, so now John refers to what we just heard Jesus say, which is basically this, there's two different ways to live your life. 
Right? The way we say it around here is there's two deals on the table. There's different paths. There's different roads. Whatever you, you want to go. You know, Led Zeppelin would say, yes, there are two paths. That's, sorry. That's stairway to heaven. But anyway, go. Anyway, so, so there are two deals on the table. And you can go this way or that way. Two paths, right? You can live your life um, walking in the light. That sounds like a good idea. Or you can live your life walking in the dark. Which doesn't sound as good. Right? So, so when John refers to what he heard Jesus say, I'm the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What he's saying is this, you know, I, I met Jesus, I bumped into Jesus and Jesus was available to me and he's available to anybody else who wants him, if they'll take him, if they'll take him, but if they'll take him, his light, I'm telling you, the results will be the same as mine. The lights will go on and you'll know what life is about. But then he goes on to say something that has always been true. It was true 2,000 years ago. It is true today. It goes like this. Just because the light's on, just because the light is shining and available, doesn't mean that, that it's, and he uses the word, it's understood. Look back at verse 5. But, but the darkness has not understood it, the light. It literally can be translated this, if you want to write out in the margin of your Bible. The darkness has not received the light, admitted the light, allowed the light in. Just because the light's there doesn't mean you're going to let it in. Right? Let me explain this. I got a story for you. I love this story. I've been waiting for weeks to find an opportunity to tell this story. This is one of those stories that just illustrates how crazy this place is. All right? So if you're new here, this is crazy church. All right? We got a lot. We open our doors wide and everybody comes in. And it's just, it's just really, really, really good. And it's one of the reasons I love it. And what I mean by that is I've been to a lot of churches and, and, and they, they, they say they have some crazy stuff happen, but not really. We, we have the crazy stuff and I will give you an example of that right now. Okay. So uh, a few weeks ago, I'm up here teaching about God and everything. All right? And so uh, after the talk, I walked down the stairs. I'm, st- I'm st- sitting down here, right? And usually during the last song, I walk out to the lobby and stand out there by the fireplace so I can say hi to people and stuff like that, right? But for some reason, I said, I'm just going to hang out down here. So I just stood right, right down here. And so when people saw that I was here instead of there, whatever, they, they, there's a little line of people that just want to talk to me and ask me questions and stuff like that. But I looked back in the line, about four or five people back, and there was this cra- wild guy, right? I mean, he was just like, he was vibrating. He's like, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be awesome, right? right? And, and, he's, and I got to describe him to him. He's got some wild hair. And, and it's like he fell into a vat of tie-dye. He's awesome, right? Everything he had on was tie-dye. He had a tie-dye shirt on. He had a tie-dye tie. That's hard to say. Tie-dye tie on. And, and he was just sitting there. And, and he, yeah, he had something he wanted to tell me. And so I, I had three or four people. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of the way. I want to talk to the tie-dye guy right there, right? So, so finally, you know, he, he makes his way up. And it's, and it's his turn. He's about my age. And, and he's it's, it's really, really excited. He goes, I, I want to show you something. And I'm like, I want to see it. And so he, he pulls out his PDA. It's probably not an iPhone 5 like mine. But anyway, so um, don't hate me. All right. But anyway, so, so he, he opens this up and it's covered with all these symbols, circles and triangles. It, it kind of looks like these hieroglyphics. And I'm like, cool. What is that? And he goes, it's a code. It's a secret code. I'm like, ooh, I like secret codes. I always have. All right. And, uh, and so he goes, then actually, and he leans in and whispers in my ear, it's, it's, it's plans for a, a utopian pleasure spacecraft. I'm going to sell it to NASA. I'm like, that is awesome. That is so, that is so, so awesome. Now, all right. And again, now, now, now security starting to circle. We're like, we got to tie that guy. We got to tie that guy. You know, and so, so they're, they're circling up around him. And so, a timeout. So, some of you are going, that's not very nice. I think you're making fun of him. And I, I am a little, all right. I am just a little, a little bit. But here's what, I'm looking at this guy and he's, as he's, talking to me and, and one of two things is true in my head well one is that um there's something wrong and he needs to be on better meds listen i'm not throwing stones me too some of you are going today would be a day jim take another one right so so i'm not again that's all of us have been there right so i'm like dude you just need to you know medicate whatever that is or he's one of those people that is so smart that when you talk to him 
by comparison, you're like the IQ of a toad. You just can't, I don't know, I don't know. You're just really, really smart. So one of those two is happy, but it, happening. But if, he, if he's building a spacecraft, I'm, on, I'm, I'm buying a ticket. I'm on that puppy. Utopian pleasure. Here we go. All right. So, so anyway, he, he points at his, at his PDA and he, he starts talking about the, the symbols and comparing them to the talk I just made about God. So he shows us one symbol and it's a circle yeah, with, a, with a, like a blank center. And he goes, that one represents God. I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, because God is like everything, everything. And I'm like, oh, uh, uh, okay. And then he says, now, now look at this one. And he points to a circle and it's half dark and half light. And he goes, and that one represents God too. And the, the, the light is, is good and the, and the dark is evil. So, so God is kind of both good and evil. I went, time out. He goes, what? I go, that's, that's not true. He goes, huh? And so, so I pointed him actually to, to a Bible verse written by John, but in another part of the Bible. And look at this, First John chapter 1, verse 5. And, and I said this to him, I said, this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus. So John says, this is what Jesus taught us. And then we declare to you, God is what? God is light. In God, there is no darkness at all. So there's no darkness. There's no evil in God. And he looked at me and went, huh? I went, yeah, I know. He says, well, what, what do you mean? I said, it's kind of like this. I didn't have a box with me. But I do now. All right. So I said, it's kind of like a box. I said, now you're, you're a smart guy. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and I said, so it's kind of like physics. Like, so darkness is just the absence of light. Right. I mean, that's just true. That's, that's basic, whatever. Okay. And I'm, I'm not a physics expert. I flunked. Literally, I got an F. And they said, don't come back. All right. So, uh, so, so darkness is just the absence of light. So I said, if, if I had a box and the lid was on the box, what's, what, what is inside? And he said, darkness. I'm like, yeah, I said, exactly. Now, what would happen if I took the lid off of, of the box? And he started to say something, but before he could, I said, let me tell you what's not going to happen. All the darkness that was pent up in that box is not going to spill out and take over the room. It doesn't work that way. Darkness doesn't come out and, and fill up the light. It's the, actually the opposite. All the light that's available in the room will spill in and for somehow it will just, it, the darkness will go away. That's how it works. And he's really starting to get kind of like, oh, oh, all right. I said, it's the same thing with God. He said, what do you mean? Well, it's the same thing. It's like, like on a God level, on a spiritual level, evil is not part of God. It's the absence of the goodness of God that's been kept out. God's goodness can't come in here. And, and the result is evil because God's goodness isn't present. And he looked at me and he goes, he just blew my mind. <laughs> I'm like, I know. And he said, and you ruined my spacecraft design. I went, I'm sorry. And uh, so I pointed into some more Bible verses and I said, let's just talk again. And I haven't seen him. So, so the spacecraft's on hold. And that makes me sad because I was looking forward to that. All right. So, but you see what, he was say, what, what I'm saying, what Jesus is saying. You see what John is, is trying to explain. They're saying the same thing. Light is available through Jesus to any and everyone who wants it, who wants him. And as that light is allowed access to your life, if you take the lid off, all right, the result is true life, Be- better life. The darkness gets chased away. And I love, I love the last part of how Jesus said it. Look back at that again. He said, Jesus said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I love that walking in darkness part. Have you ever tried to like walk very far in darkness? I mean, not like it's kind of dark. No, total darkness. I'll give you an illustration. So we're not going to do this because it, you'll understand why. But suppose I said, okay, I need everybody to squeeze over into that part of the room. Get up, leave your, your whatever, all right? Just everybody squeeze over in that part of the room. And then I get everybody over there, like all, all crunched up, all right? I said, now, on this side of the room, I've hidden a million dollars, and the first one to find it gets it. So I'm going to count to three. 
go. All right, so one, two, and right before I say three, I turn out all the lights in this room, okay? And there are no windows in this room, so it's really, really, really dark in here. Lights out, three, go. What happens next? Chaos. Chaos, right? And some of you, because I've met some of you, you know what? You, you think, I, I know where he did it. I know, I know how this works. I, I think I know where, where Jim hid the million dollars. And you will take off on a dead run. Because you are so sure this is how you get to the price. You have no idea where the price is, but you're going to run like you actually know where, where it is, right? Some of you, you're going to take a few steps and then you're going to trip over something. Or you're going to run into something and you're going to hit that nerve on the front of your shin that's connected to really horrible words, but it's involuntary. You can't help it. Right? I think God gives you a pass on that. I was like, I know. It's her. Yeah, all right. So uh, that's, that's probably not true. But anyway, yeah. But, but that's just true. You're going to trip over stuff. And, and, and eventually people are going to trip over you. You're going to get hurt. You're going to hurt other people. It's just what you're going to do. Some of you, you're, you're going to kind of start. If we could kind of put on like night vision goggles or something like that. If we could watch this room, you would see a bunch of people walking around like this. Right? Really afraid, ready to run into something. Some of you would grab the people that you came with that you love the most and say, stay with me. I don't want to lose you in the dark. I don't want anybody to take what's important you know, from me. I just don't want to do it. And some of us, you know what we would do? we just sit down. And we get just paralyzed, you know? And we go, I, just, I just can't do that. And you, you know what all that sounds like to me? Our world, our, our life, Right? It does. It sounds like, to, to me, the way a lot of us live our lives. It doesn't like walking around like this in fear, waiting for impact, waiting to run into somebody or something again, or have somebody run into you, trying to, trying to hold everything really, really, really tight so nobody, so nobody hurts you or takes it from you. Doesn't that describe big chunks of your life? You look in the rearview your, your, of your rear mirror of your life, you go, that, that was my, that's all my 20s. That was high school. I just, I, I just, I'd live like this. And, and here's, I, I'm not even throwing stones at anybody. I don't blame you. You know why? I've heard some of your stories. I've heard just, just a few of your stories about, about, about what you've gone through and what people have done to you and what, what, what's landed on you. And, and, and I've heard some of the things you're going through right now. I, I, I get it. If, if I were you, I would live like this too. Right? I, I would. There, there are still parts of my life that I live my life that way. If that disappoints you in your pastor, you should probably go find another church. But I'm just telling you, there's chunks of my life, right, that I'm very defensive at. If you say anything or try to touch that part of my life, I'll probably punch and then ask questions later. Right? There's parts of my life that uh, it's just, it's just I, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm super cautious. I'm paralyzed. I don't ever want to experience that again. I'm never going to let that person do that to me again. So, listen, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I get it. Me too. I understand. I understand why we live our lives that way. But if that's true, you also have, you have to agree with me on, on this, is that no matter why we're living our lives like this, it's a horrible way to live your life. Right? It's a horrible way to crawl through life, waiting for impact to somebody or from somebody. I don't care how great the prize is. And it's a good prize. If you can get to the million dollars, your life's going to be much different anyway. I would say mine would be a lot better, right? It, it just would, but... It's just a horrible way to try to get there. So what does Jesus, what did he do then? And what does he do even, even today? He turns the lights on. He turns the lights on. And the question is, the, the tension is, kind of the, the disconnect for me is this. Some of us would rather stay in the dark. So some of us really would. We'd rather continue to live our lives stumbling over things and being stumbled over and, and kind of making it up as we go, hoping that maybe we'll stumble over a million dollars and get lucky, which is probably not going to happen. We'd rather do that 
then let Christ shine any light or truth into our, the darkness of our lives. I choose darkness. Why? Look at John chapter 1 verse 10. He, Jesus, Jesus was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And that word recognize there is the same word as know. As in I really want to know Christ. So even though Jesus made the world when he showed up, we didn't know him. We didn't recognize him. Translated, we didn't let him in. Verse 11, he, he came to that which was his own. That would be us. He's come to us, but we did not receive him. So, so Jesus back then and even today, he comes to people that he created. All right, he created us. He loves and, and he fully knows everything about us, everything. And he makes his light and his truth fully available to us so we could have the light of life. And the result is a lot of people look back at him and says, I don't want it. I'm not taking the lid off, off my box. I'm, 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 just, I'm just not. I mean, you've said this to God. Don't shine your light in this part of my life. Keep out. Right? I have. Maybe true, maybe right. I don't, I don't want you in that part of my life. But a few back then and a few even today still do. Look at verse 12. Yet to all, anyone who received him, received Jesus, to those who received him, who, who believed, had faith in his name, Jesus gave the right He gave you the ability, access, to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but but born of God. Nobody in here became a follower of Jesus and put their faith in Jesus because they can trace their DNA back to the Virgin Mary. You say, well, that makes me special. It really, really doesn't. So I became a Christian because, you know, someone forced me to believe. Then I don't think you really believe. Right? And, and, And you didn't inherit Jesus the way you inherited your your eye color or your, you know, my parents gave me Jesus and that's why I'm a Christian. No, it doesn't work that way. No, you become, you have the right to call God your father. God is the father. You have the right to call him your father. Later we're going to look at to call him Abba, to call him my dad by opening up and up into your life, taking the, the lid off the, 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 the box of your life and receiving the light of Jesus and believing and trusting and having faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And he can and will do what he can and will do if you'll let him. What, what do you mean? He will lead you through a dark world. He will. He promised. And so the question is this. And and answering, finding the answer to this question is between you and God. I can't talk you into it. Nobody can make you believe one way or the other. But but if Jesus is who he says he is. And again, you may say, I'm not there. I, I don't know who Jesus is. Okay, just go with this on a theoretical level for a few minutes, all right? If Jesus is who he says he is. And if he created all things, and all the things that he created, he knows how and why that part of your life works best, my question is this, why would anybody say, keep out? Why would anybody, why would any of us, why have I in the past looked back at Jesus and said, I don't want your light in that part of my life? And I don't know your story, but here's mine, here's what I've found in my life, sometimes light is scary. Turn on the lights is scary, Right? Sometimes, sometimes if you turn on the light at the wrong time, it's going to get awkward, right? Don't be weird. Stay with me, all right? I I mean, if you you shine light on somebody at the wrong time, I mean, it's going to get really, really, really embarrassing. And and they may look at you and yell at you and say, you don't belong here. Get get out of here. There's some parts of my life, all right? And again, this may disappoint you in me, but sorry. There's some parts of my life I don't even have to pray about. I know are jacked up. I know what God says, and this is my life, and they are not even close. And I look back at God and go, listen, I'm clear. No. I don't want to bring that into the light, and I, I don't, I'm not ready to change, at least that part of my life. And sometimes light's just painful. 
Sometimes truth and light, are, they're just painful. And again, probably the best metaphor I have for that is, imagine after church, you know, you, you, you go down to the orchard or something like that, you know, and, and, you, and you go grab some lunch or something like that, and they say, hey, you want to get a movie? Yeah, let's go before five because we're cheap, whatever, right? So, so, so you go to the, to, the, to the movie theater down there, and, and while you're there, you, so you go into the movie theater, and you're sitting in a dark room like this, and you're staring at a screen, and you're there for a couple hours, and then the movie kind of wraps up, and so it's one of those theaters that has the exit door right in the theater, so you can just go through the crash door and right into the parking lot. So, so let's say you get... You've been sitting in the room for, for two, three hours, and now the movie is over, and it's time to walk out the door, and you walk out the door into the, like, four o'clock sunlight. And what's your response? Up there? What? I see you. All right? All right? What's your response? Your, your response is just what? This light. Your response to this light. A lot of times we look at that light, and we squint, and we go, oh, no. Some of us just yell, ow, that hurts. Some of us put up a hand and go, make that go away. And if you're like me, what I do sometimes, I just turn around and run back in the lobby, you know why? Because it doesn't hurt in the lobby. It, it, it doesn't sting, you know. It doesn't give me a headache. It's, it does, it's not painful out there, you know, in, in the parking lot. It is, but in the lobby, it's, it's, it, I'm used to that. But here's the problem with that, all right? You can't stay at the movie theater. You, you can't live there. They'll arrest you, all right? You just, you can't, you can't, you can't stay there. See, no, no, you, you have to do something else, all right? You have to get home. You have to get to where you need to be, and that's home. You need to get to where some people who are at home need you to be, are waiting for you to get there. And in order to get home, eventually, you're going to have to kind of bite the bullet. You're going to have to open that door and walk back into that light and experience that, that light, all right? Because if you don't, you'll, you'll never get home. And by home, I mean the life that you need to live, right? Does that make sense? See, now, let me show you one more thing, and then we'll get to kind of the application of all this light life stuff, all right? So, so one time, Jesus, all right, he, he, was, he was teaching some people. They, at this, in, the, in this particular case, he was teaching a bunch of Jewish men who were trying to figure out if he was who he said he was and if he could do all this stuff. And, and, and a lot of them are on board by now. We really think you are you, who you said you were, right? And then Jesus, like, like throws this grenade in the room. That's a metaphor, right? Uh, uh, he, he lays this big truth on them, and it blows their minds. And their response to what he just told them was, oh, no. Oh, no, I don't want that to be true. Because if that's true, then it means this and this and this. So I don't want that to be true. And so Jesus says this, probably one of the most famous words that have ever come out of his mouth. He said it to these guys back then, but I think he would say the same thing to us whenever Jesus kind of tells us something and the the result is, I don't know if I want that to be true. What what do you mean? Look at John chapter 8. He says this, to the Jews who had believed him, (laughs) at least before that, Jesus said, if, key word, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. So Jesus says, my, my disciples, and that's just a Bible word for follower. It's the same word, right? My real followers, the, the people who really know me and understand me are the ones who hear what I say and hold on to it. It becomes a part of their life. So a disciple, at least a real follower, is not, not somebody who just shows up at a building like this. Showing up at a building like this doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. You know what it makes you? A listener. And that's where it starts, and that's all good. But what Jesus says is, is you hear what I'm saying is true, and then, then you receive it. You kind of open up the box, and you let my light in, and it becomes a part of you. And, and here's what happens. Here's the result of letting Jesus shine truth in your life, the light of Jesus. He says this, verse 32, famous verse. Here we go. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said that. What, what's he mean? What's the, the, the biggest word for me is then. What do you mean Then. And the answer is this, 
If you'll hold on to my teaching, not just listen to me and nod and go, that's probably true for some people. No, if you'll hold on to my teaching, if you let my light into your life, if you'll receive it from me, what I say is true, then, then, and really not even until then, not before that, then that truth I'm trying to shine into your life, then it'll set you free. Then. You could be free. And you say, well, what's free? I'm free. What do, you, what do you mean? I would say free, the opposite of free would be this, living your life like this. Because that's locked up. That's paralyzed. It's locked up in fear, right? Right? And that's just a horrible way to live, trying to crawl across a room, trying to crawl through life in a defensive mode, waiting to get run over or to run over somebody else, right? So if it's true, and again, Maybe you're not there, but if it were true that Jesus is the author of life, if he created you and all the parts of your life, then doesn't it make sense that he knows how our lives work best? All the parts of my life, the good parts and get this, the parts I've really messed up. Doesn't it make sense if Jesus is who he says he is, he can look at the most jacked up parts of our life and go, I can make that better. I I can speak into that. It It could be better than that. And if Jesus is who he says he is, in my experience, there's only one thing that makes me go, stay out of my life. You know what it is? He scares me. Fear. I'm I'm afraid of God sometimes. I'll admit it to you. At least I have been in the past. I'm trying to get over some of those fears. But, but, but here's, here's why I'm so afraid. I'm afraid that if, 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 if he's going to shine his light into my life, you know, whatever, you know, I'm afraid he's going to take something from me that I don't want to give up. And I don't think he'll give me something better. I'm afraid of God because I can't imagine what he wants to do in my life and what that might look like. So it scares me. Or I'm afraid that if, if I let Jesus shine light in my life, he's going to make me do stuff I don't want to do. And I don't want to be a weird person more than I am. Or I, and I, I've seen Christians and they just, some of them are just, well, I, and I just don't want to be that person. I think he's going to hurt my life. I think he'll ruin my life and make me weird. I do. Or I, this is probably the biggest one for me. I, I'm afraid if I let Jesus shine truth, if I let... God shine Jesus in my life. I really am. I spent most of my life. I'm convinced if God really took a good look at me, when he sees the real me, he won't like me. I'm pretty sure he'd hate me. Really, I, I've lived a big part of my life. The reason I think that is because I would hate me if I was him. Anybody else? So I, I've lived a big chunk of my life. My dad's a pastor. My grandpa's a pastor. I mean, I'm, I'm church. I, I spent a big chunk of my life not looking up. Because I didn't want to go to eye to eye with God if he's there because it would not go well. Right? So I told myself for a long time, there is no God, there is no God, there is no God, there is no God. Even though in the back of my head, I'm going, there is. So but I changed that to, if there is a God, um, he either isn't, he doesn't care or he doesn't want to help. Right? So I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if God and I went you know, nose to nose, I'd find out that he's either angry with me, disappointed in me, or he's already given up on someone like me. And I have enough people like that in my life. I don't need God to be on the list too, right? The reality is that none of my fears line up with what Jesus actually said or taught or, or, or demonstrated. But just like nobody could convince me of that, I, I can't convince you of that. That's between you and God. You're going to have to work it out. So let me make a deal with you, all right? How, how about, what, what if over the next few weeks, whenever God shines some light or some truth into some part of your life, And it stings. Your first response is, oh, get that out of here. I don't want that in my life. I don't want that to be true because if that is true, then it means this and this and this and this. And that scares me. How about this? Instead of turning and running from the truth, turning and running from the light, like I've always done before, instead of putting up a hand and go, go away, I don't want that in here. What what if 
you just made yourself stand there for a little while. Because go back to that movie theater thing, all right? So, so let's say you've been in the movie theater, and then you cr- hit that crash door, and you go out there. Do you know what would happen if you just made yourself stand there on the sidewalk for, for a few minutes? Everything would come into focus. You just got to give yourself some time to adjust to that. Things that at first hurt, it's blinding, there's no way I could ever do this, all of a sudden come into focus, and you can actually get home. You can get home, right? Most of us, and I'm at the top of this list, most of us run from God before we ever give him a chance because we just don't know how that's possible. And for me, most of the times that God has ever kind of revealed something that, that I've known God wants me to do, I misunderstand him and get it wrong, and that's not what he was saying at all anyway. So if you made yourself stand there. So let me ask you some questions and we'll wrap this up. If Jesus really is God, and again, that, you got to figure that out, right? But if he is, if Jesus really is who he says he is, if he does understand life and all of its parts, your, yours and mine, if, if Jesus really does understand how relationships work and marriage and sexuality and orientation and family and friendships and money and financial and economic stress, if Jesus really understands cancer and car wrecks and babies being born and going to funerals of people that we love, if Jesus understands life better than you or I ever could because we have very limited perspective and very limited eyesight, if Jesus is who he says he is, and knows a better way. Let me ask you, is there anybody here that needs him to shine some light in some part of their life? Keep track of this because I'm gonna have you raise your hand in a minute. Is there anybody here who, who has a part of their life that needs to get healed up because it's wounded and painful? Everybody else has told you you should be over it by now, but you're not. And you need that part healed up. Is there anybody here who needs strength in some part of your life that's really shaky and weak? You have everybody faked out. I'm strong, I'm strong, but you're not. You're afraid. Is there anybody who needs direction in the dark? I don't know which way to go. I don't know to do this way or that way. I don't know what to do, world. Anybody need direction? Is anybody who describe their life as, I'm kind of in the middle of a storm, and I need some light to show me how to get to safety, how to get to, to shore. I need to help through the storm of my life. Is there anybody who needs some light to shine in their darkness? Anybody? And see, we walked in here thinking, I bet I'm the only one. And we're not. This is the place of me too. See, if Jesus really is who he says he is and can do all the things that he promises to do, like bring light into the darkness of my life, define truth in a world that says it's all up for grabs, if he can actually say, here's a better way to live, just follow me and I'll take you there. Do you know what that makes him? Lord. Lord, in charge. He can do anything. Not, not in a limited capacity, Lord of, of everything, of all of my life, of all the circumstances of my life, whether I've caused problems or other people have caused problems. He can jump into that and go, I, I know best. If you'll let me be Lord, if you'll let me in, we can do this. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do two things. We're going to sing and we're going to pray. Some of us are just going to sing. Some of us are just going to pray. Some of us are going to let the words of this song be our, our prayer, Right? And let me just give you some of the lyrics that we're going to sing. Randy just taught us the chorus, but here's some of the other lyrics. Like this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. I mean, I'm not going to lean my life against, I've tried. I've leaned my life against him and her and it and that and whatever, and it moved and I fell down. It doesn't work. I'm not going to trust in myself or making it up as I go anymore. I'm just not. I need help. I need a light from my path. I need strength because I really, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm really scared and, I, and I'm weak. I need Jesus Christ alone. I need to be God. I need to be Lord. I need to be the one and only. I need to light up the dark corners of my life. And one of the lyrics in here is I need him to be my cornerstone, which is the first stone 
laid in a house and everything trues off of it. If you get that wrong, it's all wrong. My life is all jacked up. I need one foundation of my life to be okay. I need him to be Lord. So I'm going to lead us in prayer and then then Luke's going to lead us in in this song. And make it your prayer. And again, you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can come down front, you can run to your car and go, this is too much, I can't do this. Now that's okay. All right, it's between you and God. I'm going to pray and then uh, we're going to worship together and then we're going to go watch the Broncos win. Because God's good. All right, so... uh, (laughs) God, I come to you today, and uh, I can't pray instead of anybody, so they have to do their own prayer, but our words, I think, goes like this. I need you. I need you. I need, I need some truth. Everything's confusing. I need some light, because I keep on stumbling over things and being stumbled over, and I need some strength. I need some weakness. I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. And that's easy to say, but it really scares me to actually think about him coming and living in my life and saying, Here's, we're going we're gonna to talk about marriage and we're going to talk about sex and we're going to talk about love and we're going to talk about marriage and we're going to talk about success and we're going to talk about failure. We're going to talk, fr- talk about all the important parts of your life. So why do you want to do that, Jesus? Because you're Lord of all of those parts. And so God, it's really, really scary sometimes to open up the box of our heart and say, you can come in. But really, I just, I'm just tired of banging my shins all the way through life and being angry and scared and, It'd be one thing if it just affected me, but it's just fallen on all the people around me that are dependent on me to be the man that I I need to be. I can't do that on my own. So help me walk through those doors and into the light, even if it hurts and stings. Help me have the courage and strength to stand there. Look into your face and learn more about you. You're Jesus. You're my Lord, and I need you. In Jesus' name, amen.